Welcome to the Digital Workplace Podcast. These are conversations with CEOs of digital companies, thought leaders, and solution providers about how you can become a level five digital workplace. For the show notes and transcript of this episode, go to thedigitalworkplace.com. Welcome back to The Digital Workplace. Today, our guest is Kelly Jones. She's the co-founder of Be Nimble. Hey, Kelly, how's it going? I am doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm very, very excited to talk with you. Before we talk about Be Nimble, let's do a little check-in round question to prove your humanity. I want to know, what is your favorite condiment to put on food? Um, It's a tie between cheese. I don't know if you call cheese a condiment. (laughs) Cheese a condiment. I put cheese on almost everything. (laughs) Um, And uh, But if we're talking actual condiments, it would probably be barbecue sauce. Yes. And do you do both often, I'm assuming? Um, I think they're a marriage made in heaven, for sure. (laughs) That's true. That's good. So tell us a little bit about Be Nimble. What is it and what's been your experience with it so far? Absolutely. So I moved back to Indianapolis, um, born and raised here, but moved back in 2017. Um, Spent most of my career working in tech, uh, lived on both coasts, both New York and and Indianapolis, and, and really... Um, was focused on working in tech and specifically diversity in tech, um, but obviously working in much larger markets. Um, it's a far gone, um, I shouldn't say far gone, but it's a, it's a much further along process um, than it would be if you look at some smaller ecosystems like Indianapolis or, or Louisville or Cincinnati. And so I started Be Nimble kind of with the framework of understanding what the, the work that I'd been doing up until that point mm-hmm. and really trying to find ways to implement that in smaller markets that maybe had more emerging tech hubs. Yeah. Uh, so coming back home felt like the best, you know, sort of testing pilot for it. Um, and so over the last four years, we've developed um, an organization that serves two capacities. One is talent. The other is entrepreneurship. Um, and so we help train Um, career transitioners, people that are unemployed, underemployed, that are interested in getting into tech fields, both technical and non-technical. You know, I think we talk a lot about technical roles, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Engineering and and web development, software development, which is very important. Um, But tech companies also hire salespeople and marketing people and customer success people and digital marketers. And so there's a lot of people that really can transition into sort of the startup space. Um, It's just sort of a, a... you know, just a changing of skills of sorts. So, it, so we do a lot of work in that space and and help place people um, at companies. And then the other side is is obviously entrepreneurship, where we work with Black founders. Um, we do workshops and seminars, and then we also have accelerators um, that are much longer term processes of us working with companies as well. So. Fantastic. Well, I'm so excited you brought that to Indianapolis from other places and can help us also kind of get off the ground and be aware of what's going on in that space. Yeah, I think it's important, um, you know, the difference between, you know, what we see with much larger companies looking to be more diverse is that they've already hired 100,000 plus people. Right. Uh, so it's so much harder to kind of shift that tide. Um, but what, what, what can happen um, is, is we have those conversations starting at the beginning. So startups start thinking about diversity at the beginning of the process. Yeah. You see funds start thinking about diversity at the beginning of the process. And you don't get to a point where you know, you're trying to go back and fix it, right? You're yeah. at a point where it's just a part of the beginning of, of how you're starting. And so that's how we're, we're looking at um, how we can do work. I think the other side of that too is, you know, what can we do to just build the capacity of more diverse startup leaders, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know we're going to talk about this later, but, you know, when you have diverse companies that are led by diverse people, naturally diverse talent comes along with that. Sure. Um, and so more, of, if we can help push for more of that, I think we'll see a change in, in what talent looks like too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to start this conversation just talking about adjectives because a lot of times 
you have a founder or you have an entrepreneur and then you have a black founder, a black entrepreneur or a, a woman founder or, or something like that. And it's important for us to realize that everyone has an adjective in front of them, that there's no default setting. And what we, we think is default is often just the white male perspective that's there. So I want to have this conversation be about as we build digital workplaces, what are some things that we should be aware of that go on in minority-run organizations that we can all learn from? What are some ways they structure their culture? What are some ways they look at leadership that are different than what the typical white male-run things? So let's just start with culture, about how things are built. And even the idea of inclusiveness is, is maybe a good place to start. So give us your perspective on what's different about when you have a minority who's in charge, who's an entrepreneur, who's leading everything, and maybe the entire team is also a minority voice that's there. How does that culture look different? Yeah, so so to start, I would say um, that I don't think any business runs any differently than the other. You know, um, y- you know the difference in in the color or or the gender of the leadership. Um, essentially, they they're going to run the same, right? You mm-hmm. know, they come into work. There's CEO businesses run the way they need to. I think the distinct difference um, between seeing more diverse led companies. Um, versus companies that may be led by sort of, you know, traditional white male is that um, naturally the teams become a lot more diverse. Hmm. Uh, I think as a person enters into a room where there's more diverse leadership, there's a sense of, um, the, what's the word I'm looking for, comfortability with that, you know, like there's a natural sort of like release um, of pressure, I think it, it, it can come across as sometimes um, because it's at least someone that can identify with who they are hmm. and maybe more open to their perspectives. Um, it's a reflection, right? If I have, you know, a black male or, or, or a black woman, you know, leading a company that I work for, I feel more comfortable coming to her um, with concerns, with questions, you know, and sometimes that may not be the case. And it's not any person's fault of their own, I think it's just, you know, feeling safe, right? I think safety is a great word for it. Yeah. And so I would say with that, you know, I think it's just important to impart uh, a a culture that is going to still retain people, that's still going to help promote people, that's still going to give great feedback. I think that has to be done across the board with any organization, no matter where you work. Um, But I think what happens more naturally is, um, you know, there's, there's some camaraderie, you know, people I don't think feel left out, um, you know, and I think even, even deeper, cause I've worked both for organizations that were black led and hundred percent black talent. Mm-hmm. Um, I've worked for companies that were, you know, um, just diverse led. So not necessarily black, but, you know, led by a person from, um, another culture or ethnicity. And it was, you know, really, we had white people, black people, Hispanic people, you know, very diverse. I've worked for organizations that were just totally diverse and and, and 100% um, distributed all the way across the country, right? And so there is like, when you, when you, I think a lot of people, what they don't talk about is when you are diverse, when you're really, especially when you're really diverse, um, you still have to acknowledge and celebrate the perspectives of people that are um, part of that company. Um, you know, if someone lives in China, you know, and they celebrate Chinese New Year or someone's in Malaysia, you know, you have to think about like what your vacation policies look like, right? Yeah. You have to think about like, there's so many other things, like it, actually being more diverse is hard. Yeah. It's actually harder. 
Yeah. Right. It's not just everyone's off for Christmas. It's we have to consider, you know, our team that's in Vietnam. We have to consider our team that's Jewish. We have to consider people, you know, that maybe don't celebrate Christmas at all and, and maybe celebrate something else. We have to think about, you know, people that are, come from Muslim background, you know, so it actually becomes more difficult, which means you have to be more mindful. Mm. Um, and I think what happens when you have diverse leadership is that it's easier to be more mindful of that um, as opposed to non-diverse leaders where you may be less mindful because you don't know. Um, I don't know. I think those things are are very different. Yeah. When you think about like a monoculture, whether it's the dominant culture that has been on the oppressing end or the minority culture that that has been receiving that, a lot of times the monoculture is, like you said, it's easier because everyone, you have the similar language, you have similar holidays, you have similar just ways of interacting that people know. You don't have to explain things. You don't have to uh, come up with that. So that makes it easier. But when you bring in these diversity, it does take an extra level of difficulty, right? Yeah. And and that's why I think sometimes it can come off as easy. It can be easier for people that are diverse already because they understand, you know, the differences. And so it becomes easier to be inclusive where, you know, maybe with other leaders, it may be a little bit harder. Not to say that no one can get there because I believe there's organizations that definitely do and can, Um, but it is a much harder pull. Yeah. It's it's just harder to do. So I'll ask you, why do you think that is? Do you feel like people who come from minority cultures are just more used to the kind of this coalition building where they realize that they need other people in order to do things. And, and people who come from like a white, more dominant culture have never really needed to build a coalition of anyone else. Or what's your reasoning behind that? You know, that's a really great question. You know, I, I, I don't know if I'd call it co- coalition building, but I would call it community building. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I think when you are, an underrepresented or under uh, resourced group of people, it's natural that you guys come together <laughs> and try to help people as much as you can, especially when there's more work to be done um, mm-hmm. and more work that you're going to have to do. And so I think naturally um, we, we ourselves become more inclusive. Now I can't speak for all people of color, right? Sure. Cause I think there's still some people that may, you know, not think the way that I do, but I would say a vast majority of people um, you know, if they are leading a company, they're one going to ensure that they have, you know, diverse team members, they're going to be more mindful of people because, you know, on, on our side, we know what it feels like to be, you know, underrepresented and we know what it feels like to be left out. And, and, and I think that's something that we naturally don't want to make other people feel. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I think that's where it really comes from. Let's get into a few other specific areas. I don't want to, I mean, Distinguish between stereotyping and generalizing. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to ask you, like, what's it like to work for a black woman? Like, everyone's different. So it's always going to be a little bit different there. But just in general, I'd like to know your perspective based on the organizations you've worked with and for and around, even on a topic like leadership. Like, what do you feel like are, are some of the native differences that exist between having somebody in a leadership role who does come from a diverse background versus somebody who's coming from just like myself, a white male background. What are some things that we can learn from there? Yeah. You know, I would say coming from the perspective of, of a black woman, you know, leader of a, of a few organizations, um, you know, when you're with your team, you know, I think, you, you, you know, your team believes in you, um, and it's easy to kind of overcome, uh, you know, things like imposter syndrome and stuff like that. But I will say also as, a leader in, in going into other meetings and in, in leading a, an organization. When I have outside conversations with other people, sometimes you do still have the, those feelings of, 
you know, of, of feeling like, should I be at this table? Should I be here? I know I lead an organization, but, you know, am I being seen as an equal? Am I being seen as, you know, just, you know, the black face at the table yeah. um, to to represent for for diverse voices? Um, and that that becomes really, really difficult. Um, you know, I think daily I I one, I'm very just I think intrinsically a lot and I think internally a lot. And I like to reflect on decisions I make and how I come across. Um, and, and I still feel like, and I think this is just the case for any woman that, um, you know, our voices are sometimes muted. They're sometimes, you know, um, put underwater, uh, or if we're, you know, coming across as, I won't say aggressive, but if we're coming across as, as direct, that can be seen as, as being aggressive. Um, and I think that can really, um, you know, do damage to women leaders, especially. Um, and, and so I, I will, I feel like we'll never be equal, um, Mm -hmm. no, no matter how much work that we do. However, um, you know, what does happen is, is, is the work shows itself. So, you know, as long as, you know, every day I wake up and I wonder if I can do this, Hmm. you know? Um, and then I just get up and go do it. And I pray that, you know, the decisions I make that day are are good decisions. Um, but it's, it's equally hard and, um, you still battle with the same issues as, as any other, you know, leader of an organization. So, um, it just might be just a little harder. (laughs) I like had an emotional reaction whenever you you said that last bit just about waking up every day and just reflecting on my own experiences. Like I live in a place in a culture where I like I have every reason to succeed. Mm-hmm. Every day the voices in my head are like you can do this, everything's built for you to do this. Like all you gotta do is put in the hard work. Whereas if if you grew up in a culture in your in your formative years and, and even after that, of saying like you can't do this and the odds are against you. There's no one else like you who's ever done this. And then you still have to get up and do the work. That's just a whole nother huge hurdle to, to jump over before you can get the thing done. Yeah. Yeah. Every day. I mean, and I think that's a direct reflection of, of what inclusive leadership could be versus, you know, where we, where we stand now. Right. It's um, no matter what, no matter how successful I am, I'm always going to have a hurdle. Yeah. Um, because of of who I am as as that I couldn't control, right? I'm, I'm a black woman. I'm I'm dinged twice, right? I'm not only a woman, but I'm also a black woman, and so automatically I'm at a disadvantage. So that means every day I have to show up times ten, uh, and and so that that becomes really um ti- you get tired, you know. Yeah. I think we'll get you get tired. It becomes hard. You have to be nice to yourself. You have to say nice things to yourself <laughs> to keep yourself going, you know. Yeah. Uh, but but the important thing is is that you know at least what you do every day is is impacting the world and and I feel like that is enough to kind of that that keeps me going so um, yeah I didn't mean for that to get sad but yeah it's a real it's a real struggle <laughs> to me it's really helpful like I think I've thought that before but just to realize like if you and I are are trying to do the same thing or in, in some way like trying to encourage each other or even compete against each other I need to recognize that. You got a bunch of battles to go through just to get to the battle. Yeah. That's important for us all to have empathy around and, and realize that. Absolutely. Kelly, let me ask you a question. If you were talking to um, a white male CEO and they had a chance to meet with a minority run company, maybe one specifically you know or just in general, like 
what would you want them to ask of that founder? What would you want them to learn from that company? What are some things you say, hey, you need to talk to this person and pay attention to this because this is something that's really going to benefit you? Wow. That is, um, that's a really great question. You know, when I started the organization, when we started the organization, you know, a big gap that I saw is um, people that are starting tech startups um, for audiences that they didn't understand mm. or they didn't, or that most people wouldn't understand, but that were understood by the culture of people. Um, and so I'd love to, you know, if I ever invited, you know, a white male CEO to talk to a black founder, I would really dig into, you know, why they created the product they created, especially if it's one that's, you know, for people of color or for, cause you know, you see a lot of those emerging. And I think there's a, a, an assumption that, you know, if a black founder makes a product, it's only made for certain people. Right. Um, and sometimes it is, um, and, and that should be okay. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it doesn't have market share, that it's not high growth, high scale, or that it can't um, grow to be huge. But I think it would be great for people to ask those founders why they had to make that mm. to better understand the why. For example, you know, there's a founder that I'm working with currently that um, essentially started a meditation app very similar to Calm or Headspace specifically for, for women of color. Um, and in many, for many of the reasons that I just described to you, right? Like the fact that every day we get up and we can be, you know, be equals, but we still have much more work to do. That is an undue burden yeah. on our, um, on our mental health. Right. And so, you know, not to say that those other platforms don't have, you know, the types of meditations or things that we need to, to get past it, but imagine being able to, um, be led by someone else that's representative of you. Right. Yeah. Um, those are the things that I would love for, you know, white CEOs, white founders to really dig into and, and think about. And, and I think what they'll find is that um, during the time that they've created their own products, they've essentially left out people. And I think that is, that is why it's really important to look at and invest and listen to diverse background, people from diverse backgrounds, because there are segments of things that are being missing from products that we are being, that are being built every day. That's really powerful. I love the idea of understanding how much more in touch maybe some of these founders are with the community they're trying to reach and how much deeply they understand that. And I think, I mean, not to get too philosophical and deep into the race issue, but I feel like this is one thing that it's telling of white culture is that one, we don't see ourselves as part of a community for the most part. We mm -hmm. see, so I'm just a human. Like, it's harder for us to even use that word white and white community and white people because we don't see it. And so when we make products, we don't see it. We just assume, hey, I'm just making this for people. But the importance that, yeah, there are individual communities out there. And when you do need to understand those and how people interact. And that's a great lesson for us to learn. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, and I, and I think the other thing with that too is, is it's not to be exclusive either, right? Yep. It's not like we're not creating these things because we don't want to use your thing. It's we're, we're creating it because there's another need that needs to be met. Um, and so it's either companies that are existing can meet that need or, you know, we build things so that we can meet the needs of our own people. Um, and, and so I think that's okay. And I don't think it, it downplays anyone versus anyone else. I think it's just being thoughtful. Um, and inclusive. And I think, you know, obviously I think there's some companies that are, are, are trying to be more diverse and even the people that are building their products um, and the thought process behind that. Um, but that definitely needs to be something that's more intentional. 
Kelly, this has been great. I've learned so much already from this conversation. It's really helped me to understand things better. Where can people go if they want to learn more about you and, and the work you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I can be found everywhere um, on all social media uh, at Kelly Nicole. It's Kelly with an I, Nicole with a K. Um, and then you can follow Be Nimble everywhere at Be Nimble Co. Um, and then our website is, is BeNimbleCo.com where you can learn more about our programs and all the other amazing things that we do. Yeah. Well, we will put all those links in the show notes. Kelly, it's been great. Thanks for sharing your time with us. And we look forward to learning more from you in the future. Thanks so much. You have a great day. This has been the Digital Workplace Podcast. If you liked it, please take a minute to leave a review wherever you find Go to thedigitalworkplace.com and sign up for our twice a month newsletter. It keeps you up to date on the best ways to build a level five digital workplace. Music for the show is provided by City of Sound. I'm your host, Neil Miller. Keep moving forward.